Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah! Are you in revival? Yes, say, I'm my church. This church is in revival. I'm in revival. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your blessing. We thank you, thank you for your hand upon our lives, for your goodness and mercy that has been manifested unto us in so many ways throughout our lives, Father. We give you honor and glory and thanksgiving for your blessing, for your faithfulness to us. You haven't given up on us. Glory to God, you stay true to your word and you honor your commitments to us day after day, year after year. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you today for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our pathway, a light unto our pathway and a lamp unto our feet. It gives us illumination and understanding about life and about how we are to walk before you in a godly fashion to please you. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word, that it is your holy written word, inspired by the Spirit of God. And this word, Father, is brought to to light on the inside of us by the teacher who indwells us, the great Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for his ministry of unveiling the truth to our hearts, speaking to us today. We trust him to rise up on the inside and speak to us from the word and help us apply it to our everyday lives. We thank you for that, Father. While we're praying, Lord, we're mindful to lift up all who are in authority in our civil government. Father, from the president right on down to our local government, all branches of government, men and women who are in authority, we pray, Father, for good government that we might lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and dignity, that the gospel will be spread, Father. We claim it. We thank you for it. As we pray, Father, we, we, we remember our military and, and so forth that are serving around the world and even right here at home. We ask your hand upon them to protect them, to guard them, to keep them, Father, in all of their ways. Also, we pray for all of our law enforcement in the country and, and uh, federal and state and local law enforcement, Father, that your hand would be upon them to protect them in their valuable duties and work and service to us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to Hebrews chapter five. Uh, We're in a series uh, entitled Revival Praying. But before we go further today, I I, uh, felt it would be good to, to make some other comments about hearing and understanding the word of God. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to us as a congregation recently and said that he was taking us up higher and taking us further in the, in the area of prayer, that he was opening our understanding and taking us into uh, greater realms of uh, revelation and effectiveness in prayer. Do you remember that? And, uh, and he's been doing that. If you've been coming here for any length of time, you know that God uh, raised up a move of prayer eight years ago. And uh, we've been growing in this, but then in the last year, 
things have really stepped up in the area of prayer. And so I've begun teaching uh, this series on revival praying, and I've been covering some things that I've never taught before. I remember when I was at uh, Ramah, and for two or three, or actually several years after that, we would travel around, maybe we would go back for homecoming, or we would go to Tulsa for a seminar, or else we would go to some other place in the country where Brother Hagen was ministering, and it was a common uh, occurrence that Dad Hagen would teach, uh, you know, in a service, and at, towards the end of the service, he would say, "Well, there's a whole lot more I, I, I would like to share, but I'm not allowed to." And he would say, "You're not ready for it yet," and the Spirit of the Lord wouldn't let me share it. And uh, and it was just a common thing. I don't know if you remember that, but it was all particularly during the 1980s. Uh, uh, he said that a lot. And so much so that my minister friends and I, we would be sitting in the services and we'd say, doggone it, what's wrong with us? You know, he keeps saying that he has things that he wants to share, but the spirit of the Lord won't give him permission to share it because we're not ready. We think, when in the world are we ever going to get ready? You know, what, what's wrong with us? Are we a bunch of boneheads? What's, you know, what's wrong? And um, he started sharing uh, more in the 1990s, from the mid-1990s when he started having Holy Ghost meetings, he started teaching more about the move of the Spirit. And I noticed that he said that less and less as he got older. In his last uh, few years, I don't remember him really saying that. What I'm saying is he was able to get out some things and teach some things that he hadn't been been able to teach before because there there would have been no purpose in teaching things that people weren't ready to receive. And, and a, good, uh, a good example of, of why that is, and I've talked about that in recent services, in, in 1980, he taught on intercessory prayer, the prayer seminar, and, uh, and shared some of the things that, that I've been sharing in the last few weeks, way back in 1980. And people took the message of intercession and just took it completely off the rails. I mean, got it completely in the ditch and uh, got into extremism and excess in the area of prayer. And he had to back off of some of those things. And so all during the eighties, you know, he would talk about, well, there are some things I'd like to share, but, but you're not ready. Well, demonstratively, uh, a lot of people weren't ready. And, uh, and, and the Bible talks about this. That's why I wanted you to, to turn to Hebrews chapter five. Now in verse 10, we're picking up in the middle of a thought, but we're going into another thought. So uh, just, uh, we'll start in verse 10 and go forward. Called, speaking of Jesus, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek was the priest that Abraham uh, brought uh, and offered tithes to after the conquest and, and deliverance of Sodom and uh, our, our deliverance of, of, of uh, 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 the battle that he went to in, involved, it involved Sodom and some other cities and Abraham had gone into battle to save them and deliver them and he got the, the spoils of the battle and he offered it up to the tenth of it up to, uh, to this priest named Melchizedek. And he says that Jesus Christ uh, became a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now notice verse 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. 
Now, when he's talking about dull of, dullness of hearing, he's not talking about natural hearing. He's talking about spiritual hearing. Do you remember that Jesus, uh, on several occasions, made the statement, he who has ears to hear, let him hear? Well, everybody in the crowd had ears, natural ears. He was talking about the ears of your spirit. In other words, spiritual perception. That's what hearing is. It's a perception. He, he said, those of you who are, who are perceptive, then hear what I'm saying. And that's what he's talking about here. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So that tells me some things. It tells me that sometimes there are things that need to be said, but there, it's hard for the minister to explain things to people who are not perceptive. Do you understand me? They're not, they're not able to, because of their perception, because of their uh, depth in, in spiritual things, they're not able to receive it. Well, that hinders the minister from explaining it. Can you see that? He said it's hard to explain. Verse 12 says, for though by the time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, the margin of my Bible says reason of practice, have their senses exercised or trained to discern both good and evil. Well, what is this? these two verses telling us? It's telling us, first of all, that... Uh, there are stages of spiritual growth. He talks about being a babe and he talks about someone who is a full age or someone who's mature. So there, there are different levels of spiritual maturity. And then he talks about the fact that, that some word, some levels of, of teaching are, uh, are all that babies can receive. And that strong, stronger word or what he calls here uh, solid food belongs to those who are mature. So that tells us again that some people aren't able and and a church isn't always able to receive things because they're not ready. And it's not necessarily uh, an insult, it's just a fact. And up until uh, recent times, we as a congregation weren't able to hear some of the things that needed to be said in prayer. Now, I'm not holding the church responsible. I'm holding myself responsible. I didn't get us ready. You following me? I didn't do what, what was necessary to get us ready. And so there were some things about prayer that I haven't been able to share because it would be, there would be no need to share it to, uh, 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 among people who wouldn't understand it. Do you understand that? And again, I take responsibility because I didn't do as good a job as I should have getting us ready. But thank God, God has moved. And prayer has developed and we have, as a church, have come to a place where we can get into some areas of prayer and, and, uh, and the teaching concerning prayer. And I really encourage you to be here 
I'm teaching on this on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Be here. If you miss a Sunday, if you're out of town, go to the website, middle of the week. It's usually, the sermon is usually up. You can listen to it. Stay current. And some of these things that we will talk about today and tonight and the next uh, Sunday and Sunday after that probably will be things that will make more sense to people who are more experienced in prayer. Those of us who, who frequent prayer on Monday night have developed uh, in the area of prayer. How many of you would raise your hand and say, you know, when I first started to coming to Monday night prayer eight years ago, I really didn't have much of a prayer life and didn't know how to pray. But when I came, started coming to prayer on Monday nights, I learned how to pray. Is that true among, for anybody? Yeah, quite a few people would admit that's true. And so the spirit of God has, has developed us, but he wants to take us further. Amen. Let's continue reading. He says in verse one of chapter six, therefore, even though he said you haven't been able to receive these things, he, he, he then says, but we're going to go on a little bit. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity. Now, uh, when he says leaving the discussion of the elementary uh, principles of Christ, he's not talking about leaving these principles. He said, let's just leaving, we're leaving the discussion of these things, the teaching of these things, and we're going on to other things. And then he lists six different doctrines that theologically are referred to as the six doctrines of fundamental doctrines of Christ. He says, first of all, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Well, that's a foundational doctrine, isn't it? He said, not laying again the foundation because it's already been laid. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works is number one. Two, and of faith toward God. That's a foundational doctrine. Number three, of the doctrine of baptisms. It's a fundamental doctrine. And you know, the, uh, much of the body of Christ doesn't even know anything about baptisms. They only know one baptism, water baptism. Well, praise the Lord, there's more to it. And the doctrine of the laying on of hands. That's a fundamental doctrine. Uh, what, what is that, number four? The doctrine of uh, repentance from, the, excuse me. Yeah, the laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead number five, and number six of eternal judgment. Those are the six fundamental doctrines of Christ. And this we will do, leaving the discussion of these, these things behind, this we will do if God permits. And then he, he discusses some other things. And let's drop down to verse number 20. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Remember, he had just gotten through saying in the end of chapter five that there were some things he wanted to teach about Melchizedek and, and Christ and being a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, but that he hadn't been able to teach it. But now he's saying, and we will do this. We will go further if God permits. And then in the last verse of, of chapter six, he mentions Melchizedek and chapter seven, he starts teaching on it. Thank God the Lord permitted. Amen. And, and so there are some things about prayer that the Lord's permitted us to move into. And uh, I just encourage you to stay current. 
Stay hungry. Keep your heart open because the Lord wants to explain some, uh, some areas of, uh, of prayer that are vitally important to us as a church and to revival. Amen. So having said that, let's go over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We started uh, last Sunday talking about the praying church. Still part of revival praying, but the praying church. We talked about uh, the, the fact that we're all members of the body of Christ and we're members of one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to bear one another's burdens. Uh, help bring deliverance when it's needed to one another. And... Uh, praying for uh, ourselves and for others concerning the revelation of the word of God. We talked about all of that. We won't go into that again today. And then there's another part of the praying church here. Have you found Galatians chapter four? The, The churches of Galatia, Galatia was a region. It wasn't a city. It was a region in uh, Southern uh, Asia Minor. And it comprised some cities that we're familiar familiar with from the book of Acts, uh, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, some of those uh, cities that Paul preached in. That area generally was called Galatia. And the churches of Galatia had been evangelized by the apostle Paul, and probably some others as well, and uh, had been established in the principles of faith. And... Uh, many Gentiles and some Jews in these churches, there were Jews and Gentiles, but, but a lot of Gentiles. And Paul went in and taught the doctrine of justification by faith alone, not dependent on anything else, not depending on, dependent on any of uh, practicing the law of Moses or keeping the law, any of those things that were justified by faith in Christ. Well, there were some other uh teachers coming out of Jerusalem where they're called the Judaizers and they were Christians but they taught that Christian that in order for a Gentile to be saved in Christ he had to first of all become a Jew and submit to the to the uh sacrifices and the rituals of of Judaism and then he could become a Christian and they looked uh, down on Gentiles who had come to Christ and been saved but hadn't uh, partaken of the Jewish ceremonies or any of those things, they looked down upon them as second-class Christians. And some of these Judaizers had evidently come into the uh, region of Galatia and had started teaching these things and had affected the churches there. And some of the Christians in Galatians, uh, in the regions of Galatia, having been established in the principles of faith and justification by faith, they were beginning to waver. Some of them were were actually uh, yielding and heeding the teaching and and were contemplating uh, going back and and, uh, uh, submitting to the law in order to make sure they were justified by faith. Well, this is something that the Apostle Paul considered uh, very reckless and something that was very dangerous to, to the truth of the New Testament. And so in the book of Galatians, he came out very strongly against that. And uh, he had a lot to say about that. Now, in the fourth chapter, 
uh, in verse 19, this is a verse I want us to look at. He said, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Notice he said, he said, I'm laboring in birth again. Evidently, the apostle Paul had labored in prayer. This is what he's talking about, laboring in prayer. He had labored for them in the beginning and they had uh, received enlightenment. They had received Christ. They had been born again. They had come, become full-fledged uh, members of the family of God, sons of God. But now they're wanting to get back under the law And he's saying, now I'm having to labor for you again until Christ is formed in you. We looked at this word laboring before when we were talking about uh, Epaphras. Go over to Colossians chapter 4 with me. Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse number 12. Epaphras was a man who was from... Uh, the church, the church in the area there of Colossae, and when Paul was writing to the church at Colossae, he mentioned this man named Epaphras. In verse twelve, he says, "Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you." Notice, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Well, that's exactly what Paul was talking about. He said, I'm laboring in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Here it says for the, for the church at Colossae that Epaphras always labored fervently for them in prayers. This word uh, 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 laboring comes from a Greek word and it means to strive or to wrestle. It's spelled A-G-O-N-I. Z-O-M-A-I. It's the word, the Greek word that we get the English word agonize from. So he's saying that, uh, that Epaphras always agonized fervently for them in prayer. Some other translations I think are, are helpful uh, along this line. The English Standard Version says always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. The Amplified Bible says, always striving for you earnestly in his prayers. The Weiss translation says, always contending on your behalf in his prayers. And the Weymouth translation says, always wrestling on your behalf in his prayers. Remember, I mentioned a man by the name of Wilford Wright, who was a a man who had a tremendous ministry of prayer. Brother Hagen quoted very frequently from Wilford Wright. And he made this statement concerning this kind of laboring and uh, referring to Galatians 4 where Paul said, I'm, I'm laboring in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Wilfred Wright made this statement. He said, Paul travailed. It is a spiritual activity. It is an intense suffering in the inner man. It is comparable to the pains of natural childbirth. It involves real intercession. I had a friend, Wright said, now with the Lord, who travailed in prayer and intercession until you would think his heart would literally break. Sure, it is hard on the outer man. Uh, Very often, 
most often I would say prayer uh, among Christians is very light and shallow. Uh, outside of churches that have been taught uh, the, the, the uh, integrity of the full word of God, most of the times people pray uh, unscripturally. They, and they pray very shallowly, oh God bless me, help me, do this, do that. Many times they're praying for things that God's already said belongs to them. They're wanting God to do something he's already done or else they're wanting God to make up his mind for them and just, well, Lord, just, you know, have your whatever you want to do. Just, you know, if you want me to go to the left, give me a sign. If you want me to go to the right, give me a sign. And they're in perpetual confusion. But even among uh, spirit-filled believers who know more about the word, so often uh, the prayer of the church is not adequate There's not enough depth. There's not this kind of travailing in prayer. And sometimes it's necessary to to help people get to the place they need to be. It's going to take more than just saying, oh, God bless brother so-and-so. God bless sister so-and-so. Help her, Lord. Help her. Help her to understand. Help her to get a grasp on things. Just bless her, God. That, That very often does very little good. We've talked about in previous sessions about this business of fervency, we spent some time talking about this, that God desires fervency from us in our prayer. Fervent praying is not casual praying. It's, it's serious praying. And there's, there's two sides to fervency. There's our side and there's God's side. Now, th- there is fervency that we have to stir up. You know, we decide how serious we are about something. But it goes beyond just emotion and just stirring up uh, emotion or, or strong will on our part. When we stir ourselves up, when we get serious with God in prayer and begin to be fervent, that's when God's fervency we begin to tap into. Because God is fervent. God is not lackluster or, or uh, uh, casual about anything he does. And the things that are important to him are mightily important to him. They are of supreme importance to him. And whenever we're praying for someone or about some situation that, that, uh, that he's interested in, he's keenly interested in it. And as we stir ourselves up in fervency, we begin to tap in to the spirit that's coming from God and his fervency. And what he's doing is he's using us to express his fervency so that we will begin to give voice to the heart of God. So that we begin to, to give place in this earth. Because if we've, as we have noted so many times, John Wesley made this astonishing statement and it's so true. He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life that he can do nothing on earth for men unless someone asks him. And that's absolutely true. You see that all through the Bible. The, the fact that he tells us to pray about certain things, that's it, that we know it's his will, tells us that he needs us to pray. Well, when we, when we begin to, by exercising our fervency and beginning to be serious with God, when we start yielding to the Spirit, his desire 
And his fervency can find expression in the earth through that yielded vessel. He's looking for people who will yield themselves so his influence can come in and work through them. And the intensity of his desire and fervency, when we pray that out, that brings deliverance. This is the kind of fervency that Paul was talking about when he said, I'm, I'm, I'm having to travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. There are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of people, possibly someone you know, let me correct myself, probably someone you know. Let me correct myself, probably several people you know who will never venture into the things of God and will never lay hold of the things they need to lay hold of unless someone enters into this level of praying for them. I'm telling you, casual praying will not get the job done. There are times when it takes real travail, real laboring in prayer. And that's, Paul, that's what Paul was talking about, about himself. And that's what he was talking about referring to Epaphras. That he always labored fervently for them in their prayers. Go with me now over to Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans chapter eight. <clears throat> Romans chapter eight. Verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now we've looked at this passage many times and we've pointed out the fact that the Holy Spirit helps us. In our weaknesses. And the weakness he's referring to is our our weaknesses in prayer. And the weakness that he identifies is the fact that we often do not know what to pray for as we ought. Didn't say we don't know what to pray for, but we don't know what to pray for as we ought. In other words, we, we might know there's a need, but what's the real in other words, we know something about a need, but what, what is the need from God's perspective? Someone comes to you and says, well, you know, I'm having a problem, you know, with my boss at work and my boss is just really tormenting me and persecuting me. Just pray for me, you know, that I'll, that I'll, uh, be able to, uh, stand strong and be a good witness and, and not kill him. I've been around long enough to know a lot of times that it's, it's not the boss's problem. Amen. I've been around long enough to know sometimes if you change your attitude, come on, and start being a better employee and not being a busybody, keeping your nose in other people's business, come on. There are a lot, there are many sides to all issues is what I'm saying. And so sometimes just because you know there's a situation doesn't mean you know what the, what, how to really pray about it. Well, thank God the Holy Spirit helps us. He takes, and we've discussed this word, it means that he takes hold together with us against this weakness, our lack of knowledge. Praise God for that. 
For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Here's the part that I wanted, wanted you to see. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, most of the time over the years when I've talked about uh, this verse of Scripture, you'll recall that I'll usually just comment that the Holy Spirit helps us with in two ways. Number one, he helps us uh, when we don't know what to pray for as we ought. He takes hold together with us against that, that problem. And he helps us two ways. One is by praying in other tongues and the other with groanings. And if you'll recall, that's all I ever say about it. And then we focus on the tongues part. Well, we need to focus on the groanings part. We need to, we need to discuss this. We need some enlightenment along this line. Amen. Like I said, I've really never gone into this uh, very much, but it's necessary. It's part of this laboring in prayer, this travailing in prayer. Notice he says the spirit takes hold together with us and the spirit himself makes intercession for us or you could say through us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Again, the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer in two ways. By giving utterance in other tongues. Remember what 1 Corinthians 14 says? For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And uh, he says, he who prays in an unknown tongue prays divine secrets. Thank God for the ability to pray in other tongues. Can you imagine how restricted your prayer life would be if you didn't know how to pray in other tongues? My, my wife uh, has a relative, you know, who has spent many, many years over almost 60 years in ministry. And he made the comment to us not just a few years ago that, that he, he, he doesn't pray in tongues unless the spirit moves on him. He never just initiates. And, and my wife and I were talking about this later. I mean, you know, he's my elder, so I'm not going to correct him or, or, or anything unless he asked my opinion. He didn't. He was giving me his opinion. And I just accepted it, you know. Uh, but we were talking about it later, and we thought, how much has he missed? Think about what he's missed over the years, all these years in ministry. And just praying every now and then, when he, and I know what he's talking about. When he's in a service, Spirit of God gets to moving, and you feel the inspiration of the moment, and the Spirit of God just sort of bubbles up. That's the only time he ever speaks in tongues. Well, how much is, has he missed accessing in prayer because he didn't know that he can pray in the spirit anytime. That's one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us. He gives, he, he gives utterance in prayer. And that utterance is always there. It's not something that just has to, that you have to work up. It's there. But there's another side to that. Think about how much we've missed, or excuse me, how much we would have missed if we didn't know about his help in other tongues. Well, think about how much we've missed by not knowing about his help and groanings. We've missed some things. And they're necessary. I said they're necessary. Uh, some other translations of this verse are, are good. Where it says the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
The New English Bible says, but through our inarticulate groans, the Spirit himself is pleading for us. Now you might ask, well, what are these groans? What are you talking about? Well, we'll see. He said, but through our inarticulate groans, the Spirit himself is pleading for us. The Phillips translation says, in those agonizing longings, in those agonizing longings which cannot find words. The Amplified Bible says, unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. The English Standard Version says, with groanings too deep for words. Weymouth's translation says, in yearnings that can find no words. There are, there, there are times when you get to a place in prayer when the, the burden that the Spirit of God... See, the Holy Spirit is searching through the church very often. Looking for someone that he can, that he can put a prayer burden on. God, when it comes to suffering... God, God has the highest uh, consciousness of suffering of anyone in the universe. Because of his great love that he has for people, he's, he's, his sense of suffering when we, are, when we fall below his, our rights and privileges, when people are experiencing destruct, destruction in their life, that causes suffering on God's behalf. He suffers with that. And, and he, that, that burden, he's looking for someone that he can roll that burden off on that will give place to that in the earth, in this, in this realm. And pick up that burden and pick up that suffering. And sometimes when you get to a place in prayer, you come to a place where, where even the other tongues do, is not adequate. And it cannot express the will of the Spirit. And, and I've been there many times in prayer where I'd get to a place where, where there was just such a burden. So, so often you don't know who or what you're praying about. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you find out later what it's about. But you come to a place in prayer where, where you get to the end of tongues and there's such a burden, such a, 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 a desire and such a, 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 a aching and a hunger on the inside for the answer that all you can do is groan in the spirit. It's inarticulate. It's, it's, it's beyond speaking in other tongues. That's what he's talking about here. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings. See, this verse isn't really even talking about tongues. If you'll notice in the past when I've taught about it, taught, and when I've used this scripture, I use it as an example of us not knowing what to pray for. And so I'll always say, well, he helps us in two ways, with other tongues and in groanings, but then I talk about the tongues. But we know about that from 1 Corinthians 14. This verse is actually talking about the groanings. Wilfred Wright made this comment. We may not know how or what to ask in prayer so that our prayers will correspond with our real need. The Holy Spirit moves us with groanings which we cannot express in words and helps us direct our desires to the proper objects. 
also to help us be specific as a part of the groanings. These groanings, yearnings, are according to the will of God and express his care for us. Although we cannot understand the groanings, they are intelligible to God. In adverse circumstances or conditions, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings and he always responds. If you'll yield yourself, those of you who know more about prayer and praying in the spirit, if you'll yield yourself more in prayer, uh, he'll use you along this line from time to time. Now I have discovered in my own life that I'll go along for a while and I won't experience much of this. This is not, now let me say this, this is not something that you work up. What happened when Brother Hagen taught this back in 1980, people started having groaning meetings. That's what they called it. We're going to have a groaning meeting. Everybody came together and they groaned. That's in the flesh. That's in the flesh. This is different than praying in the spirit. You can pray in the spirit on your own, on your own initiation. But how many of you know the difference whenever you begin to pray in the spirit on your own, you pray for a while and the spirit then takes hold with you. When the spirit takes hold together with you, in prayer, that's not something that, that you produce on your own. That's a work of the spirit. Well, this is a, totally a work of the Holy Spirit. People started having groaning meetings and they started having birthing meetings. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Wide, widely, widely known. I mean, widespread. This was going birthing me. They're going to get together and birth some things. Well, number one, you can't, you know, uh, you can't, a woman can't birth a child unless she's pregnant. Isn't that right? Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't give birth to something in the spirit unless the spirit puts something in you to birth. So they're having birthing meetings and groaning meetings. And you can see where it just got, I mean, it just got way over in a, in a deep ditch. And Brother Hagin just had to back off completely from it. That's why he re-edited the book and called it, instead of the art of intercession, he called it the art of prayer and brought some balance that uh, uh, he really should not have had to bring. Because of, but because of people and where they were, he had to bring that correction. Like I said, I'll go along sometimes for quite a while and I won't experience much of this. And then, you know, from time to time in prayer, it, it'll happen again. Uh, we must become more aware of the ways of the spirit and yield ourselves more to these leadings. Some have sensed these things but did not know what it was or how to respond or how to respond to it. If you find yourself in prayer and uh, the burden is intensified and the need and you're tapping into that to that uh, burden that God has and and these these yearnings and this groaning begins to come up on the inside of you that's unintelligible, go ahead and yield to that. That's the spirit of God. And it's absolutely necessary in those cases. I said it's absolutely necessary. Until everything comes into complete harmony with the will of God, Reed said, Wright said, there will always be the need for the Holy Spirit to intercede with groanings. We may know the will of God, but only the Holy Spirit knows how to effectively present the need. 
There are circumstances in which we are not sure of how to pray. We need the groanings of the Holy Spirit in intercession. Well, praise God. I I believe the day has come, the time has come for the church to make some advance. uh, Advancement in these areas and not get into the ditch. We have seen and I have told you about some of the excesses that have happened in the past. These are totally dealings and workings of the spirit. These are things you don't just uh, put on or imagine. These are things that, that begin to work in these deeper areas of the spirit. When you, when you first of all obey the command to pray. We know to pray. Isn't that right? And then you begin to yield to the Holy Spirit and you begin to tap into the, to the, the desire and the longings of that other realm, that God's realm. Well, yield yourself to that so that we can see the results that we need in these days. Like I said, there are people who will never see the light. There are some conditions that will never change. There are things that you have prayed about, whether your family is concerned, where friends are are concerned, that you've prayed about for years that never will change until we get into these levels of praying. They just won't change. But thank God, God has provided some, uh, a realm of prayer And he wants to take us there as a church. Amen. Listen, I encourage you to come out on Monday nights to pray. It is basically a classroom of sorts. Uh, Take that back. It's a lab, basically, where people are learning to pray. Now, I've noticed that uh, over over the years, sometimes a new person will show up. Now, this is prayer. If you're visiting with us, this is prayer for our church. This is a, this is, we're praying about things having to do with our church. So this is for us. But I've noticed that someone starts coming to prayer and they'll come one time and they don't come back because they, and I, and I know what's happening. Sometimes they feel like, well, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't know how to enter in. Everybody else seems to be so in the flow of the spirit. And I just feel like I'm just, you know, a sore thumb. I'm just not really, I'm just not really connecting. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep praying. Keep exercising uh, uh, the spiritual uh, principles of prayer that you know. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit. Stay at it. Stay at it. You will eventually tap in to the anointing to pray. And, and when that happens, it changes you a lot. And so I encourage you to come on Monday nights if you can. If you say, well, you know, I'm only, I would only be able to come once in a while because of my schedule. Well, the once in a while opportunities, take, them, take advantage of it and come. Amen. Great things are happening in prayer. And he's wanting to take us further. But uh, 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 it's going to take some instruction and illumination and revelation by the Spirit of God. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Father, for taking us further in prayer than we've ever gone before. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Father, you have moved upon us. You have manifested yourself to us. You have taken us into places of prayer that that we hadn't been into before as a congregation. But there are deeper levels of prayer that you're wanting to take us into. And you are taking us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for enlightenment. We thank you for direction. 
We thank you for the anointing, Father. Glory to God. And Father, all along the way, we will be ever mindful of your word. Because your word is the truth. Every spiritual experience, every area of prayer must be backed up by your word. This is how we stay balanced and how we stay accurate. So, Father, we're we're trusting you, Lord, for more understanding from your word, more insight, more illumination along the lines of prayer, praying in the Spirit, flowing with the Spirit. Father, that we can accomplish your plan in these last days. Great things, great things are, are happening and great things are awaiting us in prayer. So, Father, we're, we're encouraged. We're not discouraged. We're encouraged. We look forward to. We run toward these things. We stretch ourselves and reach for the things that we as a congregation may lay hold of those things for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of us. Oh, hallelujah. Father, the greatest revival this world has ever known is just in its, in its elementary stages. And we've tapped into a a small measure of that. But there's so much more for us here in in this church, in our own local church. There's a greater level of revival. A greater uh, pursuit of the things of the Spirit than we've ever known before. We trust you, Lord, to take us there. Step by step. Revealing yourself to us. Both through your word and by your Spirit. Glory to God. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. And we know that the Spirit and the Word always work together. The Holy Spirit will never lead us in an area that's contrary to the written Word of God. He'll always take us perfectly in harmony with what has been said before. We thank you for that. We thank you for that assurance, Father. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.